Catherine Hurd of Blood of the Lamb Ministries. This is Walking in the Word and it is so wonderful to be here with you all today. It's truly an absolute blessing so thank you all for joining us. This week we will be continuing on with our series based on the seven deadly sins but instead of using that Catholic doctrine we've taken a look at what Yah has said in the scriptures were abominations and have compiled seven categories of fleshly tendencies that are within us all. We use verses from Proverbs, Galatians, and the Testament of Reuben, all to compile these lists. So far, we've looked into that spirit of lying and why that can come out of come out in envyings and emulations. We have tackled that prideful ruach and how humility can overcome it. Two weeks ago, we went to some of the darker sides of the flesh and looked into premeditation the shedding of innocent blood, hatred and murders. This week, we will be turning our attention and our minds towards greed, having a look at those greedy guts. <laughs> Myself and the ladies joining me will be looking at the spirit of insatiableness, drunkenness and revelings. As these three walk so closely together, it was very difficult to separate, so we have not. Instead, we're all going to take a look at the matters from our individual points of view. And joining me today is the absolutely lovely Shell Wagner. Hi, Shell. Hi, Kat. Good to see you today. <laughs> lovely to have you with us. And the beautiful Lika Rivers. Hi, sister. Hi, ladies. Hi. I'm so happy to be here with you guys today. Oh, me too. It's wonderful to have you both here and I'm looking forward to our subject today. But before we begin, we want to say a quick prayer for those that are in the path of the incoming storm. Ian, I believe his name is. So, mm -hmm. Lee, if you would, please. Absolutely. Father Yahweh, we are just coming before you today and petition for our friends and families and everyone that is in the path of this storm, Ian, as it has passed through Cuba, we pray for everyone there, everyone that's been affected, that we, you just put your hedge of protection around them and that you provide safety to Florida and all the other states and areas that may be affected as the storm pushes northward. Please, Yahweh, Deliver your shalom that only you can provide. Let people know when they need to leave and provide them protection on their route. Give them comfort and stay ever close to them, keeping them safe under your wing. In your son, Yahushua HaMashiach's name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lee, for leading us in that prayer. Mm -hmm. um, and we really do pray that everybody will be kept safe and that you'll be well and that the hand of Yah is upon you all at this time. So before we begin, we'll just say a quick hello to different people joining us. So shalom to the lovely Rinton Tin. It's lovely to see you as always. 
to my beloved husband. Thank you for being here. To Dan, welcome Dan. Jen, James, my mum, Jean. And Danielle, it's lovely to see you all. Thank you all for joining so far today. That is wonderful. So being insatiable is being impossible to satisfy. Desiring, getting, but never being fulfilled. It is a monster of many heads. Mm. Each one trying to fill the bottomless pit that is its stomach. Each one looking to be stimulated. Each one always wanting more and more. Put simply, it is like an addiction of any sort. Isaiah 56, 9. All ye beasts of the field come to devour. Ye, all ye beasts in the forest, his watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark sleeping lying down loving to slumber yes they are greedy dogs which can never have enough and they are shepherds that cannot understand they all look to their own way everyone for his gain from his quarter come ye say they i will fetch wine and we will fill ourselves with strong drink and tomorrow shall be as this day and much more abundant so that's our little introduction for today as we go into these different matters and we will take a look at ways of overcoming this beast. So I'm going to start us off today where I can change things up a little bit here. <laughs> and insatiableness can cause us to do things we would never imagine ourselves doing. And whether we want to admit it or not, it lives inside of all of us. While some may believe they are impervious to it, the reality is that is simply not the case. As I said in the introduction, it is a monster of many heads and feeding that beast can turn our lives upside down in more ways than we could ever imagine. It is an addiction, addiction of food, alcohol, drugs, both legal and illegal, television, computer games, sex, money, stealing, gambling, partying, power, consumerism, Feelings, yes, feelings and thoughts. We can become addicted to our own depression. We can become addicted to our own greatness. Anything and everything you can imagine. In fact, if it's a form of idolatry, as we place something in the place of Yah, it becomes our sole life's purpose. It's what we think of. It's what we strive towards. It is all consuming. Insatiableness is probably the easiest and quickest route to distraction and then destruction. It is always looking for its prey. We as humans form addictions all the time. While some may do us good, others can cause us great harm. The easiest way to see this in action is by looking to those with a very serious drug addiction. It's the most blatant. Those addictions, although they may have the user fooled, and they do, they believe no one can see their <laughs> actions, to those on the outside, it is easiest to see looking in. You can see that path of destruction that follows the person wherever they go. In fact, you can see the path in front of them too and where they might end up. There is a fine line between enjoying something and being addicted to something. In fact, it is a balancing act of keeping things in their proper place. For some, this is impossible. That spirit of insatiableness, of addiction, has control in their life. And where 
one addiction may be halted, another can easily take root in its place. If I'm honest, I don't think I ever thought of addiction as having a spirit behind it until I did this study. I think I thought it was more something we can all accidentally or purposely be partakers in. Now, though, with the various things I've experienced in my own life, I think things make a bit more sense when I think of them in this monster or evil Ruach sense. It's probably why when we manage to chop off one head and another can easily take its place because we need to deal with the belly and not the head. We need to get at the root. If we take first world countries like our own or three of us here live in very well off countries, most live in luxury, granted not all, but most. Typically, we are consumers. We buy, buy, buy and never have enough. Insatiableness is prevalent in our societies. It is ingrained into us all. We are spoiled. Nothing is ever good enough and everything is always somebody else's fault. We're never satisfied and we can never have enough, even though we have it all. We actually have it so easy that the luxury of feeling sorry for ourselves, we have the highest rates of drug addiction, the highest sicknesses, the highest mental health problems. And yet, compared to the rest of the world, we live the absolute most easiest of lives. We can pretty much have what we want, when we want, and how we want it. This wealth, this privilege has cost us a great deal and the wealthier we are, the greedier we get, the more the convenience we have, the more pain we are causing ourselves, the more we complain, the more self-centered we become, the greedier we become. We need look no further than the likes of a certain president's son, no names mentioned, <laughs> to know what I'm talking about. We feed the monster. In fact, as individuals, we are its many many heads and while i was doing this study i kept getting this picture in my head so i did my best to draw <laughs> what wow. i was seeing and this for me is that oh i pressed the wrong button then didn't i beast of many heads let's get that back up sorry everybody i do apologize for my uh technical challenges <laughs> Yeah, so I was just saying, I tried my best to draw this beast that I kept getting in my head. So good. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And so Ecclesiastes 5.10. He that loves silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loves abundance with increase. This also is vanity. When goods increased, they are increased to eat them. And what good is there to the owners thereof, saving they behold, behold them? with their own eyes. The sleep of a labouring man is sweet, whether he eats a little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. There is a sore evil which I have seen under the sun, namely riches kept for the owners thereof to their hurt. And that's really reminded me, you know, those, those of that wealth that causes us pain, it really does. And 1 Timothy 6, 8 confirms its fervour. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptations and a snare 
and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the face and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And our greed can pierce us through with many, many sorrows. The more we have, the less satisfied we are. More wealth, more poison, more time, more self-loathing. The beast is never full, never satisfied. It will always want more, more and more until there is no more you. A good biblical example of this privilege being destructive is found in 2 Samuel chapter 13. And it came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister whose name was Tamar. And, and, and Amnon, the son of David, loved her. And Amnon was so, was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin. And Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonathan. Say that for me, please, one of you. <laughs> Yonadav. Thank you. The, the son of Shiman, David's brother. And Yonadav was very subtle man. Isn't it interesting? Subtle, like that serpent. And he said unto him, Why are you being why are you, being the king's son, lean from day to day? Will you not tell me? And Amnon said unto him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. And Yahunadav said unto him, Lay down on your bed and make yourself sick. And when your father comes to see you, say unto him, I pray you, let my sister Tamar come and give me and dress the meat in my sight, that I may see it and eat at her hand. So Amnon lay down and made himself sick. And when the king was come to see him, Amnon said unto the king, I pray you. Let Tamar, my sister, come and make me a couple of cakes in my sight, I may eat her hand. Then David sent home to Tamar, saying, Go now to your brother Amnon's house and dress the meat. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house, and he was laid down, and he took flour and kneaded it, and made cakes in his sight, and did baked cakes. I'm having a little trouble hearing you, Kat. I, I hope everybody else is doing okay, but your sound kind of dropped. I'll be a little bit louder. Is that a bit better? That's better. That's better. Okay. And she took a pan and poured them out before him, but he refused to eat. And Amnon said, have out all men from me. And they went out, every man from him. And Amnon said unto Tamar, bring the meat into the chamber that I may eat of your hand. And Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them into the chamber to Amnon, her brother trying to make sure I don't overpress as well because it does that to me all the time <laughs> and when she had brought them into them unto him to eat he took hold of her and said unto her come lie with me my sister and she answered him nay my brother do not force me for no such thing ought to be done in Yasharal do not you this folly and I whether shall I cause my shame to go and as for you, you shall be as one of the fools in Yasharel. Now therefore, I pray you, speak unto the king, for he will not withhold from me you. 
Howbeit, he would not hearken unto her voice, but being stronger than she, forced her and lay with her. Then Amnon hated her exceedingly, so that that hatred wherewith he hated her was greater than the love wherewith he had had her. Love he had had her, and Amnon said unto her, Arise, be gone. And she said unto him, There is no cause, this evil in sending me away is greater than the other that you did unto me. But he would not hearken unto her. Then he called his servant that ministered unto him, and said, Put now this woman out from me, and bolt the door after her. And she had a garment of diverse colours upon her, for with such robes were the king's daughters that were virgins apparel. Then this servant brought her out, and bolted the door after her. And Tamar put ashes on her head and rent her garment of diverse colours that was on her and laid her hand on her head and went on crying. Amnon had what he wanted when he wanted it and he had a devil whispering in his ear telling him that he should get what he wants and he should always have more. Subtle like the serpent telling him what to do helping him to premeditate his plan. Seen some of that um, mind, that's heart that's devising wicked imaginations going on. His greed and his sense of entitlement destroyed not only his sister's peace, but his own. He didn't feel better once that belly had been fed. He felt worse. Greed destroyed him and his victim. It is the same with the prodigal son, the son that wanted the riches of his father and he didn't want to wait, he wanted it now. Those riches, however, led him down a destructive path. And as I'm saying that to myself back now, I'm thinking about Abraham and Sarah and how they didn't want to wait. They wanted what they wanted now and that that caused so much pain further on down the line, thou greed our one, our me, can cause anguish much further on. Luke 15, 11, and he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came into himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. And we can see in that, that he is really, you know, his greed of that I want now caused him to be in the most unclean place with the swines. As Captain Hook in the movie Hook says about children, and it always makes me laugh, I say this to my kids all the time, <laughs> the same can be said for adults. I want a cookie, I want a potty, me, 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 mine, 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 now, now, now. <laughs> he didn't see the contentment that came from working hard. He saw the pleasure that wealth could bring him. 
and like many of us, he enjoyed that wealth and the lust of the flesh, the drinking, the partying, gambling, fornication, and like most who fall into these ways, he ended up with nothing and in the slums, in the filth, with the pigs, in that very unclean place. Greed and me have a way of looking enticing, but once you fall for its subtle ways, you can fall into a pit. We don't want to tame the beast of many, many heads. We don't want to chop one off for another one to replace it. We need to destroy the root, starve the belly in order for there to be no more heads. If we look at insatiableness, addiction, in the sense of a ruach, as Reuben said, see it for the beast of many heads but one belly, then we can get a clearer picture of how it can be overcome. Yahusha said in Matthew 17, 21, how be it this kind goes out, not goes not out, but by prayer and fasting. I think this Ruach is one of those that needs to be starved out and prayed out. When myself and my husband Lee wanted to quit smoking, we fasted and we prayed and a habit that we'd both had for over a decade was gone in one day. Yes, we still had to put up some fight in the first few days, but once that first 24 hours of fasting was over, the fight was a lot easier to handle. Personally, I've always believed that fasting played a massive role in letting that addiction go. Now, after looking at it in this way, I understand why. Addiction is a spirit and one hell of a beast to overcome. Besides praying and fasting, we need to renew our mind and put our focus where it should be. Recently, I did that and Mercy poured forth on focusing on the eternal things and not the things of this world. And I didn't include the following verse in that study, but I do believe that I should have. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the ways of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the Torah of Yahweh, and in his Torah he meditates day and night. He meditates on the Torah day and night. How do we renew our minds? We focus on the word of Yah, the eternal things. We focus on his word day and night. That emphasis, it should be continually in our thoughts. Day and night we should be thinking on his ways. Worship is another way, and on my mercy poured forth yesterday, I talked about the pictographs of certain words of praise and they indicated a cutting through of the chaos and a separation from it when we praise and focus on Yah. All of those things can disappear. And self-control is another way fasting can help us accomplish this that trains our flesh and brings it into submission and the mind also as mentally you're telling yourself you can go without what the beast wants. Knowing who you serve and wanting to do what is right by Yah and saying no to the things of this world. 1 John 2.15 Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away and the lust thereof. But he that does the will of Elohim 
abides forever and how beautiful and we're talking about those things that last forever the eternal things those that do the will of Elohim will be eternal fasting praying practicing self-control and focusing on the Olam the eternal will not only tame the beast but destroy it once and for all as me and Lee said in our Yom Kippur study if you cannot fast eat plainly fast from technology fast from people a fast doesn't need to be from food, it can be from anything and everything, especially things that you give a lot of attention to. And that fasting will help us to tame any beast we find ourselves entrapped unto. Which head are you feeding is the question I was wanting to ask everybody. Which head do you feed? The gambling one, the the pornographic? pornography you know what i mean <laughs> one do yeah. you feed the drug one the alcohol one the consumerism do you feed money which beast are you feeding and i think i'm quiet today because we were so loud yesterday i can hear like the louder i'm trying to talk the more quieter my voice is getting so i'm gonna stop talking there <laughs> wow. that was so good yeah yes. so powerful i left the part um I love where you were talking about fasting and prayer. Um, we went through a lot of the same deal when we quit smoking. And what just struck me is our greed can come at us from so many different ways. And when we are fasting, we're denying ourselves even self-sustenance. We're getting sustenance from Yah at that point. We're stopping our, our self, you know, what am I trying to say? Uh, where we're, you know, concerned about ourselves, you know, I need to eat. I need to have this food. I need to not feel hungry. I can't deny myself that. I need that self-satisfaction. That's the where I was trying to go. That I need that self-instant satis satisfaction. And through fasting, we're able to say, you know what? I don't have to be self-satisfied right now. I can let myself, you know, be devoid of that. That way, Yahweh can enter me. You know, that way I can be filled with the Ruach and let the Ruach be my sustenance. You know, I love that. That's That was very powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that was... I loved it that you brought up the fasting because I've been thinking about that even with different things going on in my life and, and getting ready for Yom Kippur. And this year I decided I was going to do something a little different because I know every Yom Kippur, it's always like this struggle once I get to the day because um, I, I feel like I haven't done enough proper getting ready to fast. Like, you know, I take away the caffeine and I've suffered with this caffeine headache. So I decided I was doing things different. As soon as sundown hit yesterday, I was like, okay, what I'm going to do for this 10 days of Oz is try to do more of a Daniel type fast to lead into, you know, Yom Kippur. I'm going to start by no more coffee. I'm, I'm drinking my tea, you know, I'm going to have tea for a couple of days and then try, take that away so that I'm, I'm ready to have no caffeine and it doesn't bother me on that day, you know? So, I mean, I wish I wish that we would have been smart enough when Robert and I quit smoking to have fasted. That probably would have been really helpful. Instead, what my husband did was he had been he had been auctioning and he was out of breath 
and he was mad about it. And we walked out of that auction. He he crumpled up. We shared our pack of cigarettes. It was so crazy. And and um, he crumpled them up and he threw them away. And he went, looked at me and he went, we are done. And I said, we are? And he said, we are. <laughs> no preparation. No yeah, that's kind of how it happened with us. <laughs> we're done. Done. I went, okay, we're done. <laughs> Yeah. And we were done. And, um, and I'm so glad, but yeah, I wish we would have been smart enough to fast about it first. I, I really like that. And I loved your connection with the many headed snakes, but then they all share the belly the of belly insatiable. Of it, yeah. yeah. That was a really great picture and representation because that's what it's like that, that, you know, you're right. You can chop off one and you still got all these others that are, are going on. So I think you're right with the fasting connection that that's one of those gotta things. Starve that, gotta starve it out. Gotta starve it out. Yeah. Because it's so easy, isn't it? To put one thing down as well. And then you'll pick, replace that with something else. And you don't yeah. even realize you're still, that's what, as I was just reading about, you know, thinking about it that's what i kept getting that picture of that it's the belly and it doesn't matter which head you feed and it's all going to the same place yeah. and we might not realize it but it's all addiction yeah i think laura lee probably she's not with us today but laura lee probably would have had a lot to say on that she'd understand it yeah mm. I, I and i think that that's very accurate because it'll just manifest in different ways you know if you don't take care of the core of it, you know, which is yeah. the belly. Yeah. Like Absolutely. the story of casting the one demon out and then it's coming back to that swept out, cleaned mm -hmm. out space and brings seven with it. Like yeah. you've got to, <laughs> there's a lot more than just cutting that one off. Um, yeah. And, and I've definitely had that happen in my life where I've got rid of one thing that I thought was my evil and then realized I now have seven that were worse than that one, you know? Yeah. It's, Beautiful, wonderful word, Catherine. I love that. Thank you. For me, you know, like I don't think we realize, like we we focus on our minds, focus on one thing we're doing wrong, and we're not really realizing this. We've still got lots of other things wrong. Yeah, <laughs> just focusing in on one of the many things like that. We could apply that to so many things, really, couldn't we? Here we are, yeah, like we, we focus sure in could. on the one thing we're doing, and really, we've got lots that needs fixing. Lots Amen. of needs cleaning out. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I agree. <laughs> so, Shell, are you going to uh, lead us on another way we can feed this beast? Yeah, I really, you know, I really um, focused in on greed, like the lust, lust of the eyes, where it is that the eyes are, you know, the eye candy, where is it trying to grab us is, is what I did. And, you know, I've been, you can tell the last couple of things. I am in the book of Joshua right now at this season of my life. I, <laughs> you that's are. Where I'm in. You know, so again, today we're going into the book of Joshua because that's where y'all has me right now. I'll go ahead and share my screen. There we go. All right. So I'm not being fancy today. I just did my word because that was what I could figure out. <laughs> so greed is what I was really looking at. Greed. So Matthew 6, uh, 19, starting in verse 19 and going through 24. 
Uh, let me get back up. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust do corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust do corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye be single, your whole body shall be full of light. But if your eye be evil, your whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two Adonaim, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve Elohim and mammon. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I'm dealing with effects from the storm. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Mammon, I, I was watching this one little, um, this one video and I'm not going to play it, but I will, we'll go back and we'll add it into the description because it was really worth watching on this whole subject, but it's too long for me to share right now. But in, in this video, and, and I thought it was well-researched and well done, he was explaining how mammon in Hebrew thought is a concept that represents greed in itself. Right. And so when I was looking at it, I went, not only is it a concept representing greed, but greed, when I looked at it, is the hallmark of Cain and, and, and the land of Canaan and what it was filled with. Now, this was the promised land that they were going into, but this was the what the strongholds that were set up already in the land from what I can see. So I kind of took a little trip down that down that path. And Canaan, um, Cain is the son of Ham, the son of Noah, who was cursed after his father Ham sinned by uncovering Noah and was cursed to be a wanderer. So just for context, I, I just wanted to share this. And it was in Genesis 9, starting in verse 18, it says, and the sons of Noah that went forth of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham is the father of Canaan. These are the three sons of Noah, and of them was the whole earth overspread. And Noah began to be a husbandman, and he planted a vineyard, and he drank of the wine, and was drunken, and he was uncovered within his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father, and told his two brethren without. And Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it upon both their shoulders, and went backward and covered the neck the nakedness of their father, and their faces were backward, and they saw not their father's nakedness. And Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done unto him. And he said, Curse be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. And he said, Blessed be Yahweh Elohai of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. Elohim shall enlarge Yapeth, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. I found this really interesting one because it was Canaan that did this, but it was Ham, you know. I mean, it was he said it was Ham saw his nakedness, but Canaan is the one who who gets the punishment. Now, and Canaan was only one of Ham's 
sons. So I was looking at this to show you guys. I mean, the sons of Ham over here, we've got Cush, who ended up having Nimrod. We have the son of Ham, Mitzrayim, the, the name of Egypt in Hebrew, uh, Put, and we don't get anything else on him in this particular genealogy, and then Canaan, right, which is the promised land, the land of, of Yasharel. So I've, I found that interesting because we don't hear why Ham's sin fell to Canaan and not to the others. So I'm wondering if Canaan didn't, wasn't the one who had the part of this sin and Ham maybe laughed about it instead of understanding how serious this was of what had been done, whatever it was that was done. I don't know. Scriptures aren't clear about it. All we can do is really, you know, conjecture, but it was horrendous, whatever it was, you know? So then I was looking at this and said, okay, um, so when we're looking at Canaan, see, we've got Ham, the genealogy of Ham, and it's got the four sons, but then you see Canaan and it comes down here. And if you look at it, we've got Zidon and Heth, but then we've got all the Ites. You've got the Jebusite, the Amorite, the Girgashite, the Hivites, the Archites, the Sinites, the Averdite, the Zimmerite, the Hemathite. And so with all that, we see in the connotation that when Joshua was told to take the land, many of these people, he was told to wipe them off the My face God. of the earth. And so I believe that we're still dealing with fallen watcher influence or genealogy still coming through here in some way, you know, because you're dealing with these ites. And we know that that's what was in many of these lands. So there's something more to this that, you know, I'm not an expert on this stuff, but I just know that there is something more. Okay. So I wanted to go into the story of Joshua, particularly the taking of Jericho and then what happened afterwards, after the fall of the walls of Jericho. So, Starting in Joshua 6, 16, it says, And it came to pass at the seventh time when the priests blew the shofars, Yahusha said unto the people, Shout, for Yahweh has given you the city, and the city shall be accursed, even it and all that are in are therein. To Yahuwah, only Rakab the harlot shall live, she and all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. I see so much prophetic implication in all of this. The whole story with the, the hiding of the messengers, with the harlot being saved. And I hope that you guys can see this as we go through too. But going now into verse 18, Joshua 6, 18. And ye and any wise guard yourselves from the accursed thing. He's saying, watch out, you know, from this. There's an accursed thing in this city. Watch out for it. They're being warned. Okay, lest you make yourselves accursed when you take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Yasharel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto Yahweh. They shall come into the treasury of Yahweh. So there was a lot of glittery stuff there, right? <laughs> there was an accursed thing 
And then there was a lot that glittered. Okay. So the people shouted when the priest blew with the shofars and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the shofar and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him. And they took the city and they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old and ox and sheep and ass with the edge of the sword. But Yahusha had said unto the two men that had spied out the country, go into the harlot's house and bring out thence the woman and all that she has as ye swore seven oaths unto her. We know that Yasharel as a whole behaved as the harlot, but we also know that she was redeemed because Yahusha has sworn seven oaths unto her, right? And we see it in the whole wedding feast and everything. It's, it's really, that's a rabbit trail. So I'm not going to go down, but I just wanted to point it out. I know I could go off and do a whole other teaching, couldn't I, Kat? Yeah, it's beautiful though, isn't it? That story of the, you know, the redemption that we have, you know, like we see it with one of the ites, don't we, with Ruth as well, you know? Yeah. How those that weren't a part are redeemed, beautiful shell. I yeah. wouldn't blame you if you went down that rabbit trail. <laughs> it's a lovely trail. All right, but I'm going to stay on what y'all gave me because it's long enough. All right. <laughs> so in Joshua 7, 1, um, I wanted to take a look at some of these words that we're finding here in this story. Because it says, but the children of Yashrael committed transgression in the accursed thing. For Akan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zarak, of the tribe of Yehuda, took of the accursed thing and the anger of Yahweh was kindled against the children of Yasharel. So this man, Akan from the tribe of Yehuda, that his eyesight got to him. He set his eyes on this accursed thing and he took it for himself. Okay. And Yahusha sent men from Jericho to I. So nobody knows that Akan has done this. This is like one of those, secret sins and no one realizes that this has happened and they have had this mighty victory so in jericho so then here's what happens next and yahushua sent men from jericho to i ai i find that interesting also that is uh, yeah which is beside bet avin on the east side of Bethel, and spoke unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and they viewed I. Okay, so they're at something to where they're overlooking. Now, when you do a little historical study on I, I was not so much a town as it was an outpost of a town. That the town it would have been an outpost for is this Bet Avin. Okay, but so it was a small thing, it wasn't a whole nother city. So Here's what happens. And the spies, they, they returned unto El Yahusha and said unto him, let not all the people go up, but let about two or 3,000 men go up and smite I and make not all the people to labor hither. There are a few. So they're like, they've just had this great victory. They're like, ah, this little outpost is nothing to worry about. We just took Jericho, <laughs> you know, the fortified city. Jericho, we just shouted the walls down and took it. Eyes, nothing compared to that, right? And that's kind of the attitude that you see there, you know, no need to even worry about it. 
So looking at these words of what had happened here, this word transgression and then the accursed thing, that's what I want to look at. So this for transgression, it is the word ma'al, right? It is H4604. The Brown Driver Briggs has got it as being unfaithful or treacherous to act, um, a treacherous act, a trespass that was against God, against man, right? But I wanted to put it in the pictograph. So we've got a mem, we've got an ayin, and we've got a lamed. So this is what I came up with. And of course, I love it when you two also look at it and give me your input. So what I got was... To transgress means to let your eye lead you to chaos and destruction. That's lovely, Shell. It is. It's wonderful. And so true. Yeah. 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 Okay. So then I looked at the accursed thing, which is harem. So we've got a het a resh and a mem and it is h2764 and the brown driver briggs there says a thing devoted a thing dedicated a band devotion a net which i also found very interesting a thing that has been perforated in some way um have been utterly destroyed a point is something that's been appointed to utter destruction this a cursed thing. And I can't help but think every picture, I know you guys see it too. Every time I watch a video about what's happening now with the increase of technology, it always shows it is this overhead web in the heavenlies, a web that we can't see, you know, which I find very, very interesting with this, especially as we're dealing in this story of AI. <laughs> where yeah. where they, they think that they're well able to deal with it, right? And because look at the situation we're in today, you know, where we can't even be with each other in fellowship with each other without entering the net. There's no way to do it, you know? You know, and all that glitter, there are so many glittery things out here. There are so many things to grab a hold of and this, that, and the other and do and use this technology for. But I do believe we're dealing with an accursed thing, <laughs> with, a, with a net. And I believe that y'all was going to bring it down. And I'm glad that I get to be here with you guys and, and share with the word, but... um it's it's something we need to be aware of. So here's the word the word picture. We got the hat, the rush, and the men. Here's what I came up with. Of course, I'd love to hear y'all's input on this. So I said to myself when I looked at it, the accursed thing is to have your thoughts, the head, the rush, the mind, divided. The het is a division, a wall, and then the waters of chaos. And we also know that the waters are where the nations are at, where the nations are in control. The chaotic masses of humanity, you know, is, is always a picture of that. So I was thinking that a cursed thing is when you enter into that thing and you allow your thoughts, your mind, which we are to have the mind of Yahusha, to be messed with and, and come into a question or division because of the chaos that we're in the midst of. 
Yeah. Doesn't it remind you of that verse, you know, for not having a love of the truth, the mind's given over to a deception. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? It'd take me a while to remember where it... And this is where I need yeah. my husband. I go, Lee, what's that verse where it says something like this? And he'll tell me where it is. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Maybe maybe he'll put it up for us or, uh, or chime in if he wants to. <laughs> but, you know, the, the one I'm talking about where, you know, because they don't have a love of the truth. They give yeah, it to right. Something like that, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't that is. reminding you of that, that an accursed thing separates us? And so yeah. our thoughts can only be on chaos, on the chaotic thing. I love how you said about the internet as well being in there, Shell. Like, that's awesome. And a cursed thing is the net, the internet. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I like what Beck put up here. Beck says, definitely trapping us in their net. And to me, yeah. I see that also that we're trapped, you know, we're trapped in that with the chaos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we are. You know, I mean, and there's no way to live in this society right now without it, you know, no. not if you're still participating and, and not, you know, it, it's funny because seeing everything, you know, my natural instinct being able to see stuff coming in was, you know, find yourself a hole and hide in it, you know, and y'all was like, and, and how is your light going to shine there? You know, really, yeah. are you going to be afraid? Are you going to live in fear? And not share what it was like, listen, I've put all this training into you. And right now, at the time when I need you to shine as light in darkness, now you're going to go hide. Well, how are you fishing for men that way? And I went, okay, yeah, I get it. Don't worry about what happens to me or my life or anything else, you know, because I know where I'm going. So I can go anywhere you tell me to go and I can do anything you tell me to do. And I don't have to be afraid because Amen. I know. If somebody takes my life, I know where I'm going, you know, or I know if it costs me my life, I know where I'm going. And I do think that we have to like count the cost on those things that yeah. we do and, and pray them through and make sure I that's what you know, Shell, you know, how can you be a fisher of men and what do fishermen use but a net? Yeah. So we even have to there use the internet to go and do some fishing, even if it is a cursed. <laughs> that's right. And he is saying you have to search it, but that's the verse I was talking about. Even as they yeah. did not like to retain Elohim in their knowledge, Elohim gave them over to a reprobate mind to do that's those it. things which are not convenient. That's exactly what it is. Thank, thank definitely, you. We appreciate that. We're definitely not to fear those that can take our life, but he who could take our life and our spirit. That's Amen. It, that's it. That's exactly it. So I wanted to look at the gentleman from the tribe of Judah who his eyes, his, the glittery got the better of him, right? His name was Akan and it is H5912 and the Brown Driver Briggs and Strongs. And so it's spelled with an Ayn, a Kof and a Noon. So when I looked at this, I'm seeing the generations, the genome, what goes forward, because I know what happened to Akon. You know, that was it. His his generations were cut off. It was done. So I can see the life sprouting forth at the end of his name there. But I also see, you know, that that covering, you know, it, it's 
it can be everything. When I look at things, they can be that the antonym, the contronym, right? It can be the wonderful aspects and the not so wonderful aspects. And so I love to think of the cough as me living underneath the, the palm, the, the wing of Yah, but it is just a covering. It's a covering, right? And yeah. so I put here for my word picture, your generations will be covered over due to where your eyesight took you. Wow. Yeah, that was what I saw with his name. Yeah, that's awesome, Shah. Yeah. So in, when we look in the Brown Driver Briggs, we see Troubler, um, a Judahite who violated God's specific ban on taking any loot from the captured city of Jericho and was stoned to death along with his family for this violation. Yeah, his whole family was stoned to death and were no more. You know, that sin fell on all of his generation, which is what I see in the word picture. Okay. So I also looked up this I that's in, in um, this little outpost, you know, next to the city. And it was I, I um, is H5857. And Brown Driver Briggs Strong's gave three different ways that you could spell this, you know. So I was like, okay, I took it to the primitive root because it took it these three ways. So when I went to the primitive root, it is Ava, which is H5753. And we've got an Aying, a uh, Vav, and a Hey. And the Brown Driver Briggs says that this means it's meant to bend, twist, or dis distort. So we're dealing with a outpost of a city, you know, something that was kind of a, a tell, if you will, a, a, which is almost like a high place, like a, because the reason it was the outpost, the high place of the city was so that it could watch for anything trying to invade the city. It was a defensive outpost, which is kind of like what a high place would be used for, right? And so this particular one named AI in scripture has a primitive root meaning of to bend, twist, distort, to be bent, to, to bow down, to be twisted or be perverted, okay? To do perversely, to commit iniquity, to do wrong, pervert, you know? And so looking at this word picture, I didn't, I, that was kind of the last one that I put there and I really didn't have a time to dig into it yet, but we've got the Ein connected to a man with his hand raised, connecting to beholding something. You know, it's almost like a, a position of surrender, right? With this hay. Yeah. So, you know, your eye, whatever it is, I guess that you are focusing on connects you to that position of surrender. And in this case, it was something that was twisted and distorted. Do you have anything else, you guys? So that would be like your greed, your lust through your eyes that what you saw you end up surrendering to because then you have no, you've lost your self-control over pursuing whatever, you know, yeah. that's yeah. what I got while you were talking about that is giving up your control, even if it is a twisted thing, you know, when you get that yeah. greed, that lust in your eyes, we surrender to it a lot of times if we don't have self-control. 
if we yeah. do have an issue with greed or lust. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. All righty. So then when I was looking at uh, Bethaven, this is the town that I was the outpost for, right? So I just looked at that. And when you look at this word, and I, it's the house of vanity. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. And what is it that makes us greedy, greedy except our vanity? Right. right. That's what it's all yeah, the core of it right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just thought that was really interesting. It takes it to, you know, bet of in bet, of course, is a house. And um, then the Aven is when you put it together, you've got the house of vanity. When you take it as the Aven, it's trouble, wickedness, sorrow, idolatry iniquity wickedness this is that place you know yeah and this is what this was what was located in the promised land this is what amazes me about this whole story of joshua you know of them actually taking the land this is what they had to come up with if they had to defeat these things they had to 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 overcome the very history, the nature, you know, of this, these strongholds in order for it to become this, this land that was full of promise for his family. You know, I just find that fascinating. All right. So yeah, this was the related um, word. It's all about vanity. Okay, so Joshua then, I wanted to finish a little bit with with Joshua. So I'm back in Joshua chapter 7, starting in verse 4. It says, So there went up thither the people, about 3,000 men, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai smote them, about 36 men, and they chased them from before the gate, even unto Shevarim, and smote them in the going down, whereof the hearts of the people melted and became as water. And Yahusha rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of Yahweh until the evening. He and the elders of Yashrael put dust upon their heads. What were they doing? They were face first, fasting and praying for an answer. What in the world is happening? Right? You know, why? And Yahusha said, Alas, O Adonai, Yahweh, wherefore have you at all brought this people over the Yardon to deliver us into the hand of the Imorim, to destroy us? Would to Elohim we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Yardon? O Adonai, what shall I say when Yashrael turns their backs before their enemies? I mean, you can feel the heartbreak. This leader you know, Joshua, what is happening, Yah? Why? For the Canaim and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall environ us round and cut off our name from the earth. And what will you do unto your great name? See, it's like, it's not about us, but what, what happens to your great name, Yah? Because it's all about his name. You know, when I'm pleading and praying for things and, and asking for a resolution, and I'm going to say, with I will say literally with all the things, Yah, that I have proclaimed your name, what are people going to say about your name if this is my outcome? <laughs> I literally, you know. So I thought that was very interesting. All right. So now I found a connection. 
And I'm really looking at this thing from coming from Canaan, you know, that the, from the line of Canaan, from whatever happened here with this, uh, from Noah to Ham to Canaan, what in the world is happening? So we have a promise that I find very interesting concerning this. It's in Zechariah 14, starting verse one. It says, behold, the day of Yahweh comes and your spoil shall be divided in the midst of you. So there's a spoil, right? That is from Yah, <laughs> which is a good thing. He knows what we need, right? For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle and the city shall be taken and the houses rifled and the women ravished and half the city shall go forth into captivity and the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall Yahweh go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. I'm sorry, my dog is barking. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley and half the mountain shall remove toward the north and half of it toward the Negev. So I just wanted you to have the context of what I was talking about before I go down to the verses I really wanted to share. So then going down in the chapter to Zechariah 14, 16, and it shall come to pass that everyone is left, okay, after this battle, everyone that's left of all the nations which came against Yerushalayim shall even go up from year to year to worship the king, Yahuwah Zavaoth, and to keep the feast of Sukkot. So this is our promise, right, in the millennial, right? That's how I'm seeing it. Okay, and it shall be that whoso will not come up of all the families of the earth unto Yerushalayim to worship the king, Yahuwah Zavaoth, even upon them shall be no rain. And if the family of Mitzrayim go not up and come not that have no rain, there shall be the plague wherewith Yahweh will smite the heathen that come not up to keep the feast of Sukkot. And this shall be the punishment of Mitzrayim, one of the sons, one of the lineage of Ham, and the punishment of all nations that come not up to keep the feast of Sukkot. In that day, there shall be upon the bells of the horses, Kodesh la Yahuwah, and the pots in Yahweh's house shall be like the bowls before the altar. Yet every pot in Yerushalayim and in Yehuda shall be holiness unto Yahuwah Zavaot. And all they that sacrifice shall come and take of them and seed therein. And in that day, there shall no more the Canaim. There shall be no more the Canaim in the house of Yahweh Zavaoth. So this, I mean, I said all that. I read all that to say that until we get to this point, we are dealing with the spirits that come along with Cain. <laughs> right? We are going to be battling them until this point. Right? So we're going to have to be wise to what it is we're having to deal with. So I wrote in my notes here, we're still dealing with the spirits of Canaan today. Now, the gods that they lifted up were um, really were called El, Baal, and Astarte. So we've got those ancient things, you know, all the way down again. They get renamed over and over. They get repurposed over and over from culture to culture, generation to generation. But this is what we're dealing with. These are those spirits. And this is where that stuff is coming from. 
So I love this in Matthew because I always have to look at this as even though we're dealing with the spirits of something, we truly, when, when Yahushua told us for you war, your battle is not against flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers in the high places, we've got to keep this in mind. And this story is another reminder of that. It's in Matthew 15, 21. Then Yahushua went thence and departed into the coast of Zeor and Zidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, Adonai, son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his Talmudin came and, and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she cries after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Yasharel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Adonai, help me. But he answered and said, It's not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And she said, Truth, Adonai, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their Adonai's table. Then Yahusha answered and said unto her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it unto you even as you will and her daughter was made hold from that very hour. I mean, to me, this story just talks to us again. We get caught up in all these things, bloodlines, genealogies, this, that, and the other. It is a heart line. I see it all as a heart line. His promises are for all that will come. So I did also see this in Proverbs chapter one, starting in verse 10. It says, my son. If sinners entice you, consent not. If they say, come with us, let us lay wait for blood. Let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them up alive as Sheol and whole as those that go down into the pit. We shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in your lot among us. Let us all have one purse. My son, Walk not in the way with them. Refrain your foot from their path, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. Again, we've got the net. Yeah. Very interesting there. And they lay wait for their own blood. They lurk privily for their own lives. So are their ways that so are the ways of everyone that is greedy of gain, which takes away the life of the owners thereof. In Sirach, I found something similar. It's Sirach uh, chapter 37, starting in 27. It says, my son, prove thy soul in thy life and see what is evil for it and give not that unto it. I love that. Prove your own soul right? Test it, question it, question yourself, you know, ask yourself about your own motives. That's what it's saying. It's like, examine it yourself. You know, if you're headlong on something, ask yourself why question it, write it down, you know? And if, if, if greed is the motivation, let y'all show you better for y'all to show us and us to deal with it with y'all rather than rush headlong into sin and him have to deal with us because he is just. 
So it says, my son, prove thy soul in thy life and see what is evil for it and give not that unto it. For all things are not profitable for all men. Neither have every soul pleasure in everything. Be not unsatiable in any dainty thing, nor too greedy upon meats. For excess of meats brings sickness and surfeiting will turn into collar. And uh, I'm not sure what that is. Maybe Nurse Lee will... <laughs> tell us what that is but i know it's an illness to the body right so by <laughs> yeah we'll have to look it up and look at it yeah. at a different time we'll see but surfeiting have many by surfeiting have many perished but he that taketh heed prolongeth his life and then we have in ephesians ephesians 4 starting in 17 this i say therefore and testify in yahweh that ye henceforth Walk not as the other nations walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of Elohim through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Again, we're dealing with a, a, a sight, a perception, right? Who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned, Mashiach, if so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Yahusha, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, who we were before we were in covenant with him. That's what he's saying. Put off that old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the Ruach of your mind and that you put on the new man, which after Elohim is created in righteousness and true holiness, wherefore putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that has need. He's saying, if you want something, work for it. Work for it. Put in the effort. That's what he's trying to tell us. And then there's this one in Luke. It's the parable of the dishonest manager. Luke 16, starting in verse 1. And he said, also unto his Talmudim, there was a certain rich man which had a steward. And the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, how is it that I hear this of you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you may no, for you may no longer steward. Then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? For my Adonai takes away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig to beg. I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do when uh, what to do that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his Adonai's debtors unto him and said unto the first, how much do you owe unto my Adonai? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. <laughs> then said he to another, and how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, take your bill and write four score. And the Adonai commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their nation wiser than the children of light. He's saying this is how the world would act. 
and yet they're using wisdom. It's, it's very interesting. I, I love this parable. And I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when you fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. He that is faithful and that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, the things of this world, right? Who will commit to your trust the true riches? <coughs> I'm sorry. <coughs> All right. So what he's saying here, if you don't know how to deal righteously, if mammon, the things of this world that catch your eye, if you don't know how to deal faithfully in that which is a corrupt system, right? How am I going to trust you with the things of my kingdom that are, are rich, are truly rich, you know? If I can't trust you dealing to deal righteously in an uncorrupt system, how am I going to entrust you with true riches of my kingdom? That's the question he's putting to the believers in this parable. He's saying, if therefore you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust true riches? And if you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can serve to Adonaim, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve Elohim and mammon. And I really believe mammon is one of the one of the fallen watchers. You know, in Enoch, we get that list, but it only lists like 18 of them. But we're told there were 200. And I believe that a spirit called mammon was another one. That's just my opinion. <laughs> Very well be the case, Shell, couldn't it? You know, it's um, interesting that we've both gone towards that there is this ruach behind yes. behind greed and insatiableness. Um, Shell, if you just bring your thing back up and we're mm -hmm. going to put into context this collar, collar, <laughs> Meaning angry, <laughs> irritable, or generally bad-tempered. Lee James is Lee. Oh, James Lee's husband. When I get my words <laughs> the right way around, well, yeah, yeah, has told us there, and we can put it in its proper context. Then you can just see you there, Lee. Make sure you're nice and tall. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember where it was. Was it here? It was something about yeah, right here in Sirach. Yeah, there you go. Here. Mm -hmm. Excess yeah. meat bringeth sickness and surfeiting will turn into anger. Wow. Fuller. What happens anger. when you get hungry? You get angry. Yeah. Hang hangry. We call it hangry. Yeah. <laughs> or ir irritable bowel syndrome. That's where yeah. my brain went. If you eat wow. too much meat, yeah, you're yeah. you're going to get irritable bowel syndrome. Yeah. You don't want that. <laughs> Isn't, yeah. isn't that fascinating, though? You know, like, it is fascinating. Mm -hmm. When yeah. we talk about all these things as being like an addiction, when you haven't had a cigarette, what do you get? Angry, irritable, 
yeah. you haven't had bad to the beast yeah you you're, that ruach yeah. is letting you know you haven't fed me right yeah right and it can be over anything say you love shopping you're going to start getting irritable when you haven't been yeah. shopping or you know isn't that incredible it well, is. and think about that you know with what's i mean this is just total personal opinion right i i, I have to even like hold on let me see if i can put it up there I don't know if we have it on that one. We don't have it on this one. We'll have to add some of my signs. <laughs> I'm going to report this. You decide. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that we're living at a time of great upheaval. And Yah picked us for this time. He, you know, he could have had us live any time at any point. But when he chose everybody that's here on the face of the earth now and those that are his right? He said, listen, I, I'm going to trust them to be right here at this time. And I believe that we're about to experience, and I'm not given a date. I'm not given a time. I'm not given a year. I'm just saying, I know it's coming, yeah. <laughs> you know, of, of a time of unbelievable upheaval where you don't get any more what you want when you want it. You're lucky to get anything, you know, right. and you better know how to believe and pray for vessels that Yah will supernaturally fill with oil for vats of flour that won't run out, you know, for, for rain to fall when it's not fallen anywhere, you know, for sustenance for, I just believe that we're heading for manna. I believe we're heading into a time period where we better be grateful for every little thing we get. And I'm trying to practice that gratefulness. Like, you know, now I've been doing it for years, trying to stay conscious of the fact that if it's all taken away, that my heart doesn't change in its sincerity. So even this morning, like I'm taking a shower and I'm like, I just, every time I get the privilege of taking a hot, clean shower, I praise Yah to the, you know, top of my lungs from the depth of my being. Thank you for this. I realize that this is a privilege. I realize yeah. this is a privilege. It's not a right. It's a privilege. And today I'm getting to enjoy it. And whether I ever get to enjoy another one again or not is totally in your hands. But I, I want my heart to be the same. I want to praise you for whatever I've got, no matter what it is. I want that to be my heart towards you, you know? And to me, that's the only way to really prepare for whatever, whenever, however he chooses to take care of his people in the midst of him pouring out the judgments because he has to, he is just. And to not judge this society as where it's at means the continuation of a lot of very innocent people, especially these children, continuing to suffer and being so abused by this despotic, you know, demon. Satanic. System. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because I've been charged as one of those people who will pray for these little children that are victims of the SRA, you know, and I can literally 
feel their terror and feel their hear their cries and feel their heartbreak when I pray for them. It is very serious to me. And when I pray that way and I intercede and then I think about me being inconvenienced over something because he's got to judge the system to make that stop. I'm like, get a hold of yourself. You know, <laughs> it's not about you. It's about him and his kingdom. And he's perfect. And he knows what needs to be done. And and you don't have a right to, you know, want to hold on to your comforts while he has to do what's necessary to deal with this wickedness because it's got to be yeah. dealt with. Right. Amen. Amen. Totally agree. And, um, I agree with you as well, Shell, and it's really difficult, isn't it? You know, I have looked into all of those things. In fact, it's those things that made my husband leave realise there was good the other way. Um, learning about all that wickedness and you know, we are so privileged. We have got everything we need when we need it. Yeah. As you've just said, you know, if it means those children are saved from all their suffering so we and we might have to go without well i'd pick those kids too it's easy to say that now though isn't it it is it is but but i do think that we at least if we're thinking in this direction that we're we're trying to wrap our humanity and our flesh to get our flesh under control and say you know you're not going to rule in this situation i'm sorry but i'm not going to let you rule over me in this in this situation i'm going to trust y'all yeah, you know there was ruax controversy if uh hello hi has put some things in the comments there that would probably confirm what yeah. we're talking about um in enoch 15 8 now the nephilim who have been born of the Ruach and of the flesh shall be called upon the earth evil Ruachs, Ruachoth, mm-hmm. and on the earth shall be their habitation. Yeah. The Ruach of the Nephilim are like clouds which shall oppress, corrupt, fall content, mm-hmm. and bruise upon the earth. And I think he did put another one as well. Uh, to Peter 217. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. You know. Yeah, what great scriptures. Really what you're what we've both been saying is behind that ruach, but it's also confirming that they do come from that Canaan line, really. Yeah. You know, we're hearing all the Zebuites and all of those ite words, Amorites, they're all the, yeah. the Nephilim descendants. It's why we have Goliath in those. Yeah in that way isn't it really interesting that it was the greed that lustful greed that led to that that downfall of canaan and where we get all of those Mm -hmm. ites from yeah and with the ai how the greed of the eyes didn't just put a curse on on um my brain's not working today (laughs) on um what was he called the man who did it anyway a con a con thank you yeah it cost us whole family but yeah it cost him his whole family but it actually cursed the whole whole of yasharal because they couldn't win the war until he was gone it cost many lives because yeah the accursed thing warriors died you know what is the accursed thing what was it that he took 
curiosity <laughs> killed the cat, they say, but what is it? <laughs> I'm not sure what it was, but he wasn't supposed to be touching it. And I wonder if it wasn't some of the, some of the gold or some of the silver or something. What, it, it had to be something that he felt he was going to get some kind of, you know, gain, uh, gain from something that yeah. drew at his soul, you know? Yeah. Really good, Shell. Really good. You know, you've put put some eyes on those serpents that have got that belly. <laughs> Thank you, Kat. Was well, so good. Thanks, Lee. So the lovely Lee. Where are you going? Well, I'm I'm going right in line with both of you, um, <laughs> Sister Catherine and Sister Shell. Uh, basically set the the stage perfectly and and mine's going to just slide right in there behind you uh, um, as both of you have mentioned greed is something that we all deal with or have dealt with um, I'd be lying if I said I hadn't or that I don't um, it is something uh, I think like you said when we're in our flesh it, it's inevitable and uh, one of the things I pray for quite frequently is to just be uh, be able to deny my flesh and be out of my flesh. And I've looked at it like, you know, come out of Mitzrayim, come out of her. It's almost the same call for me to come out of my flesh. It's not just coming out of a place physically. Amen. It's setting that, getting out of that, uh, being in my flesh and wanting my fleshly desires, you know. Because we are born into that society uh, where we're told and shown that we need to have more of everything. Like Catherine said, it's we need to consume more, buy more, have more, you know, have more than your neighbor, make more money, have more clothes, uh, have more important jobs or position status, you know, mm -hmm. and especially to obtain that status. We have to get noticed. We want to be noticed. It's not just that we want those things. We want our greatness to be noticed. And Hasatan loves how easy it is to entice us with greed because our flesh wants what it wants and it wants it now. <laughs> uh, like that one commercial, it's my money and I want it now, you know, that's here in the U.S. talking about getting whatever your money is. You know, it's my money and I want it now. So greed to me, when I was praying and, and looking into this over the last week or so, uh, getting ready, uh, greed is a seed that turns into a monster, just like what uh, Sister Catherine drew out there. It's that seed in your belly um, and you're only able, you, you find yourself only able to focus on that insatiable uh, appetite for whatever it is uh, at that moment in time uh, that's desired by our flesh. And I love now looking at it. Uh, it is, it is a spirit. It is a Ruach. It is an influence on us. And you can feel it when you're in that, you can feel that pull, you know, with me, uh, cigarettes, anytime something bad went wrong, anytime I had a stress, I immediately wanted a cigarette right then. And it's counterproductive because of what it does to you physically. It in no way could possibly decrease your stress because it is increasing 
your pulse, your blood pressure, uh, everything that you would want to calm down, it makes the opposite happen. And how to look at that now as that spirit going, oh, you want this. It's good for you. It's going to help you. Knowing the whole time it's not, it's not going to help anything at all. <laughs> Except make you sick in so many ways. Greed to me is like that outward expression of our own self-centeredness um, where it's all about satisfying me and getting things that are mine. Like that uh, cartoon, I want to say it's Finding Nemo. There's a scene where there's all these seagulls and they're screaming, mine, 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 as they're <laughs> all trying to eat one tiny little fish and they're all screaming mine. That's exactly where my mind goes with greed. Or uh, Lord of the Rings from back in the day. The whole thing is based on this gold ring and, and Gollum has it and he's my pretty. This is my pretty and, and willing to murder whomever takes that ring. Right. Yeah. That's what greed is. Um, let's see. Having wealth is not a sin. It is, however, when it's all about keeping it, it's mine. And you're not using whatever your wealth is to help those around you that need help. Uh, it's, it's that mine, all mine type attitude, not sharing and not caring. Like we're taught growing up, sharing is caring. Greed and covetousness go hand in hand. They're the same, basically. We see others around us with new cars, new houses, bigger, better, everything than us. And we have that seed of greed that grows within us, within our belly. In Exodus 20, 17, you shall not lust after your neighbor's house. You shall not lust after your neighbor's woman, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is your neighbor's. And I found it interesting in the, the King James, that word lust is covet. And when you look up in Strong's, uh, lust is hamad, which is a primitive root. It's to delight in beauty, greatly beloved, covet, delectable thing, desire, delight, goodly, lust pleasant so to covet and lust after something are basically the same thing and what really cracked me up thinking about that golem in the ring is precious thing right that's where our greed goes this is my precious thing i'm going to obtain this precious thing that we have in our mind that's so precious so i wanted to look at the story of naman or naaman um, from Second Kings 5, starting in 5-7. Um, and this part I'm going to read is just going to set the stage for the greed that I saw uh, exhibited by the servant of Elisha, right? So starting in 5-7, and it came to pass when the king of Yasharel had read the supper that he rent his clothes and said, Am I Elohim? to kill and to make alive, that this man sends unto me, recover, uh, that sends unto me to recover a man of his leprosy. Wherefore, consider, I pray you, and see how he seeks a quarrel against me. 
And it was so when Elisha, the man of Elohim, had heard that the king of Yasharel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore have you rent your clothes? Let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Yasharel. So what's happening here is the king has leprosy, right? So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in the yard on seven times, and your flesh shall come again to you, and you shall be clean. I also find it interesting that the seven is there, the seven times. Um, we see that in so much study that we do. And every time it's just like, I feel y'all tapping me, go pay attention, pay attention yeah. here, you know. Um, but Naaman was wroth and went away and said, behold, I thought he would surely come to come out to me and stand and call on the name of Yahweh Elohim and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Like he thought there was going to be some big, huge production, you know, and then he would be healed. That's ridiculous that he just said, go get in the water. What is he talking about? You know, that's, that's not worthy of a king. And boy, doesn't that show his pride. Like that's yeah. the, the one thing I thought reading that you're so prideful that you're questioning your cure without even trying it. You know, are not Abana and Parpar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Yasharel? <laughs> May I not wash in them and be queen? So he turned and went away in a rage, like he was going to let his pride drive him. He cared more about being prideful than he cared about being healed at that moment. I thought, isn't that just like our humanness to be like, we've got a much better river right over here. Like I'm willing to turn around and go back to that one. I'm not getting in your river. It's substandard. <laughs> So continuing in 2 Kings 5.13, and his servants, servants came near and spoke unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid you do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much rather than when he says to you, wash and be clean? Like he's, he's confused. Like it's so simple. Why wouldn't you just try this? Uh, and then he went down. Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in the yard on, according to the saying of the man of Elohim. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. You know, as I was reading through this part, I thought, Yahushua says his his yoke is light, his the burden is light to follow him. And and it just struck me when reading this. You know, we make things so much harder on ourselves so much of the time without realizing the answer is so simple, you know. Mm -hmm. So simple. Wash yourself and be clean. It's it's that's powerful. <laughs> so Gehazi's greed and punishment, continuing in Second Kings five fifteen. And he returned to the man of Elohim, he and all his company, and came and stood before him and said, Behold, now I know that there is no Elohim in all the earth. Wait, I lost my place. In all the earth, but in Yasharel. So there's no Elohim in all the earth, but in Yasharel. Now, therefore, I pray you take a blessing of your servant. 
But he said, as Yahweh lives before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. So Elisha is like, I'm not getting paid for that. That wasn't me. That was Yahweh. Um, and Naaman said, shall there not then, I pray you, be given to your servant, two mules, a uh, burden of earth? For your servant will henceforth offer neither ascending smoke offering nor sacrifice unto other Elohim, but unto Yahweh. So he's not going to offer any more strange fire to any other Elohim, but he's wanting to pay him. Like he's so thankful, you know, can I give this at least to your servant? In this thing, Yahweh, pardon your servant, that when my Adonai goes into the house of Ramon to worship there, and he leans on my hand, and I bow myself in the house of Ramon. When I bow down myself in the house of Ramon, Yahweh, pardon your servant in this thing. And he said unto him, Go in peace. So he departed from him a little way. But Gehasi, I don't know if I'm saying that right, Gehasi. Gehasi, the servant of Elisha, the man of Elohim, said, Behold, my Adonai has spared Naaman, this Arami, in not receiving at his hands that which he brought. But as Yahweh lives, I will run after him and take somewhat of him. So the servant's like, he didn't get anything for this, but I'm going to go get it. His greed is taking over. Uh, he's thinking about those things. Uh, that Naaman said that he was willing to give and that seed in his belly, that monster in his gut tells him in his ear, you know, go get it. You can go get it. So Gehazi followed after Naaman. And when Naaman saw him running after him, he lighted down from the chariot to meet him and said, is all well? And he said, all is well. My Adonis sent me saying, behold, even now there have come to me from Mount Ephraim, two young men of sons of the prophets. Give them, I pray you, a talent of silver and two changes of garments. So he's after this the silver and nice clothes, just like I said, greed is, it can be anything. And here it's literally silver and clothes, <laughs> which almost sounds like that silver and gold song that we used to sing in our days have passed when we celebrated Christmas. Right. So, and Naaman said, be content, take two talents. And he urged him and bound two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of garments and laid them upon two of his servants and they bore them before him. Blows my mind that he, he all of what's going to happen to him is over some silver and to, to garments mm -hmm. continuing in second Kings five twenty four, And when he came to the tower, he took them from their hand and bestowed them in the house and he let the men go and they departed. But he went in and stood before his Adonai and Elisha said unto him, or Elisha said unto him, whence come you get Gehazi? And he said, your servant went nowhere. So he's lying. He's just going to say a lie right to his face. And he said unto him, Went not my heart with you when the man turned around from his chariot to meet you? Is it a time to receive the money and to receive garments and olive yards and vineyards and sheep and oxen and men servants and maid servants? The leprosy therefore of Naaman, Naaman 
shall cleave unto you and unto your seed forever. And he went out from his presence, a leper as white as snow. So his choice right there, his greed in that moment. Uh, oh, well. Whoops. What were you trying to do today? tried to take it uh, off the screen just for a second and have me up there, but I didn't do it right. Okay. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Yay. So greed has consequences. Here we see the consequence of a lifetime curse of leprosy on Gehazi and his seed forever. It wasn't just him that this greed affected. This is forever. And the last I checked, forever doesn't have an end date. This literal curse is going on today if there's descendants of this servant forever. Um, all because he wanted what was offered to Elisha or to his servants. He wanted that. He heard that story. He heard that it could be silver, that it could be whatever. I'm sure his mind went crazy. Um, and then he came up with a plan and said, I'm going to get silver and two garments and cursed his family forever from his greed, from that seed of greed within him. He had no thought of anyone else. He had no thought of the consequences. And that's what it does to us, um, that lusting for things, you know, hearing that planted the seed of greed in his mind. <coughs> Excuse me. And from that moment on was led by his fleshly desire for silver or any material objects. We live in a world now that is consumed with self-centered self-gratification without any consideration for consequences, just following our flesh and what we want. And we want it now. Working in the ER uh, over many years and then ending my nursing career in home health, I've taken care of so many individuals who lived a life of greed, obtaining everything they possibly could, devoting their time to working for themselves, pushing to obtain more and more, you know, that fame, their fortune, their glory. I saw a lot of this more in home health, although I've definitely taken care of people um, that, you know, when they they come in, um, uh, with their gold and their jewelry and Gucci and everything. I mean, you're not blind. You're, you know what those things cost and they, they come in or I would go in their homes to help them and look around at the, the wealth and, and the position they had. Um, but they live that life in the fast line, enjoying all the best of everything that they could get their hands on and feeding themselves whatever they desired, um, feeding themselves literally and in all of the things that you can take in with wealth, you know, being extravagant, having a just a ridiculous extravagant life. Um, and, and then I took care of them after their life of being in that fast lane as they suffered through their heart attacks, their strokes, uh, through terminal illnesses caused by their lifestyle, um, as well as quite a few 
that I took care of uh, that were passing from serious sexually transmitted diseases from which there are no cure and watch them and their the fallout of after living that that lascivious life and that that life of lust and how some would say they would give up every single thing they had to have another day, to live mm -hmm. another day, to have it to do over again. Um, that greed literally took over any kind of true happiness or joy that they could ever have. Because yeah. what I would hear and see is they didn't have the understanding of the love of Yah. They didn't understand what Yahusha had done for them, that they were saved. And at that point, even talking to some, they, they wouldn't get it. They, if it wasn't something they could drop some money on to pay for, it was unobtainable. They had never geared their minds to any of that. You know, and they the sad part is they were usually alone in their giant big houses surrounded by all this wealth. And just so completely bitter because mm. they had spent their lives living for only what they could take and not anything about what they could give ever. And realizing they won't be able to take the things with them. Most of them regret it. Yeah. If not all, even the ones that wouldn't admit it. And I actually knew, took care of a one or two of them that was willing to have their uh, expensive cars buried with them so no one else could have it. Uh, and that is a, a greed that is just beyond me. Like, I just remember like, oh, okay, well, good luck with that. <laughs> so ending here, um, I love Proverbs fifteen twenty seven. looking at this, he that is greedy, he that is greedy of gain troubles his own houses, his own house, but he that hates gifts shall live. Mm. Just like I saw them in their big houses, you know, surrounded by all the things their greed had obtained for them. They weren't going to live. I mean, even if you lived a long life, you're going to die in the Ruach. You're going to die in the spirit. You're not going to have that everlasting life that Yahusha gives us. We can't have both. We cannot. In Matthew 6, 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of Elohim and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. We have to seek him, not our greed. And, and like Kat said and Shell said, fasting is the way of that. The fasting and prayer is the way of seeking the kingdom. If we're finding that we're wanting to feed our greed, that's definitely the way to starve out that monster. And I love that. I'm going to have to keep that in, in my Ruach and in my thoughts as I deal with things. So in first John two fifteen, love, not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the father is not in him. And this is one of the verses that James, my husband and I really started reflecting on and spending a lot of time with many years ago as we wanted to become closer to Yahweh. We wanted our, our footsteps to be on the narrow path. And this was the first 
I think verse that together we really dug into and and really prayed for understanding of it because we really were living a life where we were living loving what was in the world. We loved traveling. We loved dating out, um, having nice things. Who doesn't like having nice things? Um, but as we <laughs> continued on this path, you know, literally now everything we do is for the Father, um, and and there's no love for the world. Like Shell said, we have to be willing to trust the Father and understand, even if we end up with nothing. And that was one of the things we said. Even if we ended up with no house, um, we would still have our life with Yahweh, and He would take care of us regardless. And we're okay with that. We're okay with wherever this path takes us and and we're definitely not going to be pulled out before things get bad here we're all going to experience and and shell is so right we have to be thankful for every little thing from we have lights we can cook food in the house you know we have a stable roof over our heads i was thinking about those in cuba this morning um as that category four pressed down on them and their shacks that they have, which are totally different than the, the houses that we're afforded, you know, where most of us are at, but they literally live in, in something you could probably blow down, you know, with a fan <laughs> and they have just been hit by category three. So we are blessed. We really are blessed every single day in so many different ways and continuing that in uh first John two sixteen. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that does the will of Elohim abides forever. All of these material things are going to disintegrate one day. They're going to completely, even if we don't see in our time, uh, to, to be gathered together in New Jerusalem, all the things that we own, they're just going to disintegrate. They are. They're not at all what the Father has in store for us in New Jerusalem. Dan says, our treasure is in heaven being guarded by angels. Amen. And I think about that on the daily. Um, I'm not building my kingdom here. I don't care if my name is remembered. I just want somebody to think she loved Elohim. You know, she loved Yahweh. And that's really all that I care anyone remembers about me. It's not about me. It's about him. And it's about the son. Yeah. Amen. May. Yeah. Well, that was the point. Way shorter. I love how you brought forth that story about you know Elijah's ser servant and how like mm -hmm. his greed was eating away at him. Like I need this, I need this, and he was oh, like yeah. hungry for stuff. And then he ended up with the curse of having his flesh being eaten away at. So while he was eating away trying to get get what he thought was his, exactly. his own flesh then got eaten away. How incredible mm -hmm. is that? Exactly. And it's a perfect representation of what greed does to us. You know, it really does. <laughs> I've yeah. seen that very scenario you're talking about, Catherine. I've seen that play out with, yeah. with patients in the past where it just it struck me 
I, I can remember walking out of this one um, just ridiculous mansion and crying in my car because I'm like, this this man doesn't even have a clue, you know, what he's missed in his life. You know, so bitter. There's no way you could even, you know, and don't even try that praying for me, you know, expletive, expletive words, you know. Yeah. <laughs> don't even try that, you know, if I ever offered it, which I always did. But yeah, that's a wonderful insight into that, that it agreed eats our flesh away it does it's so yeah. destructive it, it really is you know robert and i have in the auction business for a while we dealt with estates and so you know that boy did you see it in so many families you could see the destruction the fighting started oh, you yeah. know it, there were so many things where I walked into this one really impressed me one time. This this uh, lady had died that lovely, lovely, beautiful home out in the country, you know, just uh, opulent, you know, and all the lovely antiques. And and I went to start cleaning things out and I'm opening the drawers of things. And there are all these expensive gifts, you know, that are. Um, all these expensive tablecloths, you know, Irish linen and all this stuff. Everything still had the tags on it and the, the um, you know, the cards from the well wishes from her wedding that had taken place back in the 40s. And I looked at it and I started to cry. And I was like, this woman valued things so much that there was never an occasion special enough to take out and use this this tablecloth you know and i found that so sad and i thought about myself and i was like lord don't ever let me be like that let me make whatever occasions you give me in my life that they're special enough for to use that and enjoy the things that you have given me and not worry about whether i'm going to you know get a spot on them you know and just leave them in the drawer my whole life worrying about taking care of things rather than celebrating with people you know, it was like it needs Amen. to be more about celebrating with the people that you do give me, you know, rather than taking care of these things that then I'm just going to die and they're going to be left in the drawer. You know? Right. <laughs> I just thought that was I so agree. sad. <laughs> I love I love how with us because we don't you know we don't get to talk about exactly which scriptures we all have different scriptures we had one subject all different stories all different scriptures and then y'all downloads to cat exactly the order it should go in so that lee wraps it all up perfectly when we're done very amazing that was really fun you guys it was good i really enjoyed this one and i think it's just like you said shell we have this net right now and we are the fishers of men. We're, we're doing that work, uh, but we're not always going to have it. So right. these timely discussions, um, we've got to get them out as best we can because there's there will be a time where it'll just be word of mouth, you know, when we can meet someone to, to talk directly to them. Right now we have that net that spreads so far, you know, I visualize it. Yeah. Uh, reaching the four corners while we can. It's yeah. amazing though, isn't it? You know, when Yah brings those exactly 
who you're supposed to have with. And I'm trying to read that off my mum as well, so I got distracted. <laughs> Me too. Like a hymn party. <laughs> I don't even know what she's saying. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't sent this, she said. I didn't I say I didn't understand what it I didn't isn't that strange? This. Oh, you know what? She's on Facebook. I wonder if yeah. someone hacked her. Yeah. As I say I didn't I don't understand. Yeah, it didn't sound like your mom. <laughs> no, mom, I don't know what's going on there with you, but we couldn't understand that message. And so I would say it's not your words because I was a bit I don't think it there. is. Yeah. Mm, okay, well, I'll, I'll help her with that when we get Absolutely. <laughs> help her change her password. Yeah, change right. your password, ma'am. Yeah, change your password. <laughs> well, today's been a wonderful discussion, hasn't it? How yours taken yeah. us from one thing to another and how we've uncovered the best ways of dealing with that. I do thank both you lovely ladies. We're doing a great job here revealing yours words in his time. My mum's not wrote, that's awful, but no, it's all right. No one else can see it, mum. Don't worry about it. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so I thank you all for joining me and the lovely ladies today and for some of the great comments that we've had. And we pray that this has been an absolute blessing to you all. That is a quick, equipped you <laughs> to slay that greed monster, knowing to go for the belly and not the individual heads, to fast and pray that wicked Ruach away that this has strengthened you so that you know that this war can be won too. And we implore you to choose this day whom you will serve, the Ruach of insatiableness, Mammon, or Yah. And we ask that Yah will bless you and keep you. May Yah make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Yah lift his countenance upon you all and bring you his Shalom. Until next time. Bye. Amen. Shalom. Shalom. Day and night and night and day The living creatures give their praise To Him who lives eternally They never cease from saying Holy, holy is Yahweh